Hello again, everybody, and welcome once again to Detect and Protect, the Australian Biosecurity Podcast. This podcast series is all about sharing information on biosecurity and the difference that this makes to our everyday lives. My name is Steve Payos, and I am your host today. On today's episode, we talk about the importance of working together across Australia to prevent and manage Australia's biosecurity risk and what happens when the rules are not followed by those naughty, naughty people. We call this biosecurity compliance. A strong biosecurity system relies on prevention, and I'm sure it's not a shock to anybody out there listening to hear that prevention rather than treatment is the most effective means. We're also going to talk about biosecurity compliance statement, what this is and why it's important to all Australians. It's so important for everyone to be part of a strong collaborative approach towards biosecurity and we will discuss how the department manages biosecurity compliance. Now everybody, I'm very, very excited today to say that I'm joined by Mr. Peter Timpson, the first Assistant Secretary of the Compliance and Enforcement Division. And Peter is, of course, my first Assistant Secretary, which means that he'll be touching on a lot of the great work that I do within the department, along with my section, and the great work he's doing leading the Compliance and Enforcement Division. So it's something I'm very excited about, and I can't wait to talk to him today. So Without any further ado, a big thank you for joining us today, Mr. Peter Timpson. Thanks so much for being here. Great to be here and uh, thank you. It's very great to have you indeed, Peter, illustrious company of all the senior executives that have been part of this podcast with me. So I'm very, very happy to be talking to you today. Uh, first of all, Pete, could you please tell us a little bit about your role in the Compliance and Enforcement Division and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Sure. Uh, so our division is really about the compliance and monitoring across the whole biosecurity uh, continuum and that's both offshore and onshore and that's for our staff that I have in my division working in both the audit, assurance, uh, the approved arrangements, setting the standards and then monitoring and obviously in the enforcement and investigative where we see uh, offences occurring in both the import and export space. So it's all about protecting uh, the community and industry and most importantly the farmers uh, around the country to making sure that we keep Australia uh, pest and disease free. And that's a big part of what we do as a whole, isn't it, Pete, is keeping those pests and disease out, looking to regulate offshore where possible and manage that. And that's something that I'll touch on with you in a moment's time when it comes to pests and diseases and keeping them out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what SET, Monitor and Respond is and why it is important to the everyday Australian, Pete, please? Yeah, sure. So, and for me, explaining it as as how I understand it, and just for for our listeners out there, it's it's all about making sure that you know what you buy in the shops and what you get is is what you expect, and making sure that when it comes through, it's it's fresh and it's 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 great to eat or use, and making sure that it's pest and disease free, and and to use the example of we set the the rules and the standards. It's it's much like uh, you know when when someone gets their driver's license. There's a whole set of rules. Um, you have to do some tests, and and there's standards that are set, and things that you have to do when you're driving the vehicle. And we may put additional rules on that. For example, you might need to wear glasses, so that's a condition uh, for for driving your vehicle. And also, you know that you have to stop at a stop sign or or a traffic light and and maintain the speed limit. And our auditors and our, our approved arrangements team and our investigators are very much like when you're driving a car, there's, there's things you have to do and you don't want to actually do something wrong. And sometimes people 
self-correct and they go, oh, I'm, I'm speeding, I better slow down. And mm-hmm. other times yep. they are speeding and, and, and we are, you know, the highway patrol that you see there and you go, uh-oh. They're in trouble, <laughs> and uh, and and you, everyone slows down, and and like and like oh, like everyone else, you see you see Look those out. cars on the side of the road, and yep. and and first thing you do is either you tap the brakes or check your speed, and and there's that that as I say the fifty cent five cent moment when you go oh geez uh, I'm okay, or someone's just whizzed past you and go I hope you get caught yeah and, absolutely and and, and and sometimes they are, and that that ties into a very much how we see regulatory. Um, position for the department and, and a lot of it's about education as well and no different to if you do get stopped sometimes uh sometimes the, the good uh, boys and girls in blue will will provide education um and other times there's, there's no education you just actually get a fine or, or worse uh so it's same thing for us in the regulatory space is when we're working with industry and the public a lot of it is as our first intention is the education side of the house uh, but obviously sometimes we can't do that and that also comes down as well to the level, for example, of that offence. When you're talking about that anecdote there about, uh, you know, on the road and, and driving safety, it's about, you know, the level of the offence as well. And, and generally speaking, I think, would you agree that people want to do the right things? Because I've heard about voluntary compliance uh, and when it comes to whatever space that be, be that driving your vehicle or in the space that we work with with biosecurity. So how does that work in, in, in your perspective? And, and are there any risks uh, in in this space when you're completely uh, putting, and I won't say all of it, but a lot of that responsibility on the individual, like when we talked about driving on the road. Yeah, look, uh, absolutely. And, and voluntary compliance is, is everything from uh, members of the public coming back on a flight and declaring, filling out their arrivals card to, to industry participants wanting to do the right thing. And, and industry participants want to sell good products to Australia. They want the good reputation and, and being the, you know, no one wants that bad reputation. So we've got big participants, whether they're um, wholesalers providing, uh, you know, fruit, vegetable or meat, uh, or, or people importing products. They want a good brand reputation. The last thing any of those companies would want would be a, a reputation that they've brought in a disease or pest or bug into the country, and we've had to go through them, as you say, like a dose of salts, and, and publicly they're seen. Uh, to be, they haven't followed the rules. We've trusted them and they've broken the rules. So from that perspective, everybody actually wants to do that and it's actually a benefit for industry to be seen to be one of the good corporate citizens. For them, it's part of their brand uh, and, and some of the big players are very much about being, you know, uh, clean and green and supporting the environment. Well, if they're supporting the environment, it's, it's, it's also about making sure the environment's safe. And, you know, having worked and visited recently the farmers in tropical North Queensland. I was up at um, Atherton Ranges in the Mareeba Shire recently with, as, as the regional representative up there. You know, the farmers are very, very much attuned to what is the biosecurity risk and, you know, they would be mortified if an industry participant was, you know, not following the rules. So they follow the rules and they expect us and to monitor it and they also expect the industry and the public to follow them as well. To do it the same way, that's correct. Do you think in this day and age as well, the level of uh, potential scrutiny is is even more of a deterrent for people doing the wrong thing? I guess I, I feel like you know, when we come back into the country, be that if it's a personal experience or being that representing uh, this department doing the great work we do, is it a case that people are now a little bit more understanding of that, not only from the individual perspective, but from the industry 
industry themselves as well. Like there, there's a lot more of a, a stronger connection, I think, between you know what would have previously been just the individual without a care to like this is genuinely affecting the farmer and the people that are working so hard to ensure that safe food supply for the country and whatever the case may be. Is that fair to say? Look, absolutely. And and look, you know, the last couple of years have have. You couldn't write a script for the, the last couple of years with COVID, but it's also changed how people have seen what the supply lines are and how critical they are and how important uh, parts of the industry are to supporting, um, you know, what, what we need. You know, we've got uh, issues right now with flooding down in, in New South Wales and Victoria. You know, there's important parts to that to make sure that, you know, what comes out and what, what is provided to the community is, you know, safe and fresh and, you know, making sure that it meets those that criteria, you know, and how do we support them, uh, but, you know, the farmers and the, the members of the community to make sure they get what they need. So it, it's very important and, and the community are far more attuned to it now than they've ever been. I think there's a, there's a big element there as well of, of the connectivity of people too when it comes to be that social media, their connection to the news, their connection to current affairs, which really helps that as well, Peter. With regards to the department's work and uh, those partnerships and providers that we work to support that, what can you tell us about those partnership providers and, and how they assist the work that the department does? Yeah, so one of the things we do is we do a lot of work offshore. So it's very important how we work offshore with our, with our both government and industry participants to make sure, you know, how do we get things into the country that are, that are um, cleared and safe. And there's a lot of things that can be done offshore. And that also benefits industry as well. So how do they get the products into, into the consumer quicker? Uh, and how do we actually make that do uh, that occur? So, so my division and my staff spend a lot of time working with those stakeholders offshore, whether we're looking at um, fumigation of, of containers offshore to, to get rid of the nasty things like the capra beetle. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, it's a nasty little beetle that's the size of a grain of rice. So, cool. so you know, as, as small as it is, it's, it's, got, it's a force multiplier. Um, how do we make sure that, that both product and containers are clear of that and what programs can we put in place so that when they get here, uh, they don't need to be re-inspected and then we, from our auditing perspective, make sure that uh, they've done that uh, prior to arrival and then also ensuring that from that order perspective, giving them that, that, that green light to go through. So And it's also rewarding industry through through compliance and, and good behaviour, which goes back to that education piece. So, and, and that's something that they want to achieve as well, because for them, it's faster movement of goods. That's correct. A quicker movement of goods as well also means that they have that level of trust that builds up with the department. And, and for us, is it is it a case of not so much uh, less regulation, potentially, but it's, it's trust in that regulation that we know that there's more of a chance that they're doing the right thing? Yeah, it's it's a lot to do with the trust, but also it's it's the regulation. So so from an audit and an intelligence perspective, we have both planned audits. Um, you know, and if you want to go back to the the car analogies, that's where we say, you know, well, you know, this weekend we've got a, a blitz on RBT. Mm -hmm. Expect to get pulled over. I see, like, that's you a shouldn't good example, be yeah. you shouldn't be drinking anyway, but you know we're going to be doing that. And then we have obviously targeted activity where we've got intelligence tip offs that well something's not right, and that's where the public or industry participants say, look, I think they're cutting a corner. And we'll do unplanned audits or, or we'll do investigative activity because we think something's not right. And that can be quite uh, a targeted operation. And that's where, you know, again, back to the car analogy where, you know, members of the public ring up and say, look, I think there's a whole heap of uh, young persons going down to this area. They're going to do a whole heap of burnouts. Um, you know, <laughs> go and, and have a look. Do, do we go down and have a look? <laughs> so, uh, you know, not, not to try to keep going back to the car analogy, but it, it, it's a similar method. 
um, uh, in that space. And industry are very responsive to that because they're also aware that it takes one company for their produce produce to create a bad reputation and consumers will suddenly pull back and not buy anyone's product of that type if there's a concern about the quality or, or the content. So uh, that can affect everybody if one, one, one of the industry participants is not playing the game. And that sounds like a, a very serious thing where that can spread as a whole in between participants, the, the word might get out and then it can affect, I, I feel like today in many different aspects of, of someone's everyday life, you know, that sort of reputational damage can really spread so quickly. Whereas there'll, there'll also be a case of, unfortunately, there's, there's a level of misinformity as well out there where it can just be, everyone can be tarnished with a same brush and then you know one person does the wrong thing and those that are doing the right thing end up in trouble as well right well and and just going back to historical example like after world war one you know german shepherds had to be called alsatians because of the war no one liked them because the poor things were called german <laughs> yeah. shepherds like i just announced they're just a dog like they weren't you know so you know just that that whole reputational risk can can just occur from some something that occurs. Like in, in history has shown that that you know the public can push back on those sorts of things. So, yeah. um, and it's know. a long way back from there. Do you think, Peter, for them in that case, it can be a it, long it way back to be. build that trust. It can be like you know industry or, or you know companies or, or produce. Like uh, you know, how do you get the trust back into the community to, to buy that product if something's happened? So so a lot of the times, as I said, going back to the education piece, industry will work quite proactively with us to make sure. That, that they're on the front foot as well. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to now move on to some of the juicy stuff, if that's possible, Peter. I know you've got a very rich history uh, with the AFP now here in the Department of Agriculture, uh, doing wonderful things here in, in DAF as well. Um, what can you tell us about what happens when there is non-compliance uh, and what we can do as a department? I also know that you personally have some fantastic examples, which we'd love to hear You know what you can tell us about. And I know that the general public is very excited to hear some of this sort of stuff. So without putting you on the spot too much, Pete, please, we'd We'd love to hear about some of the, the, the juicy stuff and how that works with regards to the non-compliance and what we can actually go and do as a department. Yeah, look, there's there's many examples and, and, and you know, my kids love watching Border Security and, you know, uh, other shows like that. But, you know, that that's that's the great work that um, Ops Division do at the front end. We, we do a lot of the investigative work, probably what you say, behind that layer. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know... You know, some historical examples, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had um, uh, a group of uh, persons in, in, in one state try to import uh, pig semen in shampoo bottles. So to, to breed a certain type of pig, um, some would call a super pig that could breed extra piglets, um, but, <laughs> but it's actually an offence under the Biosecurity Act. And they were convicted in relation to that and, and, and a serious offence. Um, you know, we've had other examples in the export space where we've actively um, prosecuted uh, a number of um, uh, persons who were trying to export or did export uh, uh, timber, and they, they obviously got a significant fine in that space. Uh, we we do also do a range of other investigations, and you know that we do work with our counterparts, the, the Australian Border Force and the Australian Federal Police help us with a lot of investigations because sometimes we actually see that people who are trying to circumvent our controls are uh, are not. Um, they may be industry participants, but they're also trying to do actual criminal activity. And you know, um, 
for those of you who, you know have watched Breaking Bad and 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 liked liked the idea of whether or not they can <laughs> set up their own mess lab. You know, we've 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 targeted certain plant products which we know are ingredients in 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 the in the meth labs, and and we pass on uh, that that information to state crime commands. You know, in relation to what's on their shopping list is is obviously what's what we're watching, uh, and also obviously from that perspective. Uh, we can see that uh, they're importing uh, uh, items that are both a biosecurity risk, uh, but also, you know, we know that uh, or suspect that they're probably uh, using that for uh, nefarious reasons. So, so for those who are in the Breaking Bad space who think they're they're on 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 the money, um, <laughs> maybe we're on the money too. This is a warning. I so, like it. This is a warning for them. So you know, and you know, there's there's many other things like you know a couple of months ago we had uh, someone wanted to um, bring in a uh, companion everyone has uh, you know wants to bring in companion dogs and they have to go through quarantine procedures um, someone came uh, contacted us a few months ago and wanted to uh, bring in a companion gecko so <laughs> so uh, obviously uh, that wasn't approved um, but you know um, I'm sure it was an important companion animal but uh the uh the small companion gecko was not permitted to come into the country so uh these these strange things happen um, incredible stories that's great <laughs> and and look you know uh you know, we get a lot of attention around around the dogs um st- strange enough not usually the cats um but you know uh the dogs you know uh, uh whether a companion animal or otherwise you know they're subject to our quarantine requirements no different to anyone else and some of those are high profile and some of them are not um but you know biosecurity is is an important issue and and all animals coming into the country need to go through quarantine requirements no different to our our, our good members of the defense force who have dogs serving in in, in military conflicts conflicts uh, those dogs have to go through quarantine requirements coming back into the country to make sure that there's a disease free uh, no different to those bringing in pets have to follow the same rules so you know and sometimes that obviously um, comes into the media spotlight uh, for our division so so there's quite a few operations that we have uh, which are active at the moment in the import and export space and, and and rest assured we do work with our partner agencies and as I mentioned earlier you know the Australian Border Force Federal Police uh, the ATO um, Australian Criminal Intelligence Commission, uh, ACIC, you know, and others uh, do assist us as required. And is, it, and is it fair to say, Peter, that the relationship between the agencies is is very close? I think that's probably fair to say, but it's it's probably much closer on matters like this than the general public would be aware of. I think that example you give there of of the things that are being imported, people probably wouldn't think that. Oh, hang on, this is going to refer back to you know what would be considered a more how would you say like a traditional crime fighting agency, perhaps. But meanwhile, we're in the thick of that if we're looking at you know uh, things that are coming into the country which are then used as part of a, a meth lab set up and all these funky things you hear on the news about the way people are setting up you know a, a drug lab or, or whatever the case may be it's it's actually much more of a, a closer partnership than people might think yeah and look we're, we're not a law enforcement agency we're a regulatory agency and, and we're here to from a biosecurity and human health perspective, protect uh, the country. But what we do see in that space, you are right, is is that sometimes some of these actors in this space are actually doing a lot of other stuff. And a lot of things that we come across is is of benefit to the other agencies. And, you know, I can't talk on what what they're doing, uh, and I'm not aware of all their operations either, but certainly some of the things we see uh, is of interest to them. 
Absolutely. And, and that goes on to my next couple of questions, which relate to trends and changes. Um, I guess from an overall perspective, I'll ask it first before I break it down a touch. But within your time with the department over the last couple of years, have you noticed any specific trends and behavior within the community that has changed a lot? And uh, I guess anecdotally over the past sort of five to 10 years coming into the department and hearing what, what they've been up to as well. Uh, what, what are those sort of changes that you've seen from the Australian perspective and with regards to our clients and everyone that we are involved with? Yeah, I, I think certainly post, uh, you know, moving out past COVID, the, the country's a lot more uh, aware of, of how important our, our country is as, as far as protecting what is here and, and noting the, the need to make sure that what we have here is disease and pest free. Um, you know, noting that our, our good agricultural industry, you know, produce enough food for over 100 million people. So we have a massive export industry uh, and, and it's important as a brand and a reputation that we actually uh, protect that as well. So part of our role is making sure that what we sell overseas is what you get. So the fact that we're selling high quality produce um, overseas, you know, the, the export side of the department makes sure that, you know, the brand and reputation and, and the value of that is maintained. Our role is to make sure it's pest and disease free so that it continues to stay at that point. So, you know, it's very important in that space uh, for that. In relation to the public, uh, a lot more attuned to that and, and very protective of it, you know, and as I mentioned earlier, speaking to farmers in, in tropical North Queensland, you know, they're very attuned uh, to every single matter we've got uh, and, uh, you know, even having a round table with a group of farmers, you know, they could, they could rattle off every, every job that I've had in the media back to me so they wanted an update on all the current jobs wow. that they're aware of. So they're, they're right across what we're doing and, 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 and very much appreciative of, of, of what we're doing at the border um, to keep their livelihoods um, uh, secure. And I think also the public, you know, being, being networked the way it is in, in, in the world we are, uh, is, is a lot more um, quick to respond when they identify things. So people are more happy to, to come forward and tell us if something's not right. Uh, and you know some of our some of our biggest operations have come come from, or some of our current active operations have come from tip-offs from the community uh, or industry participants when they've just come up to us and said, you know what, and that's just not right. And that's given us that that start point uh, to actually look at some uh, some matters. And some, as I said, some of our biggest jobs that we've currently got underway have come from tip-offs. So, what which is great. What do you think's the the major difference there? Because uh, and and the question is, what do you think the major difference is in terms of how that visibility of the strength of our biosecurity system has become such a key part in in everyone's lives? Because when you talk about the farmers being so in tune with it, and the fact that Australia on a biosecurity level and an international agricultural export and import level really is, you know, I feel like, and and if I can take a step back from my, you know, I guess official role, like when it comes to me as an Australian, like it's something that I'm proud of and I know that you know many Australians are our level of standing when it comes to the world as an agricultural powerhouse uh, what do you put it down to the fact that this is now being echoed throughout the community and everyone is really buying into it as like a almost like a teamwork thing like we're all coming together now to, to express this message yeah look and, and it I, th I think it's about where we've come from in the last couple of years is recognizing that that you know we've, we do have a great country and, and you know so proud to be part of this country but you know it's like the old adage when you fly home you just you just feel that you know million bucks and you know that much it, better yeah. you know it, it that that's how you feel but i think uh the public certainly recognize that 
uh, you know, it, as we say, you know, biosecurities is everyone's business. You know, it's not just it's not just the good officers at the border or you know um, the operations division dogs at the borders. It's not just the the Labrador's job at the border. It's it's everyone's job to to make sure things are safe and things are right. So, you know, and that and this goes back to. Um, everyone working together as a, a team effort to protect the industry and protect the community uh, to make sure that uh, we have all, all this great produce that we do have there, you know, like it's just, it's fantastic. So. It is indeed, Peter. And we've seen over the last few years, as an example, when you mentioned the carpra beetle uh, a moment ago, we've talked about BMSB as well, uh, which is the brown marmorated stink bug for all of our listeners. Uh, these are things that are emerging. And I feel like, is it fair to say, um, there's always like a new emerging trend? You would have seen that in your AFP days. And I, I think I'd be very safe to say that BMSB and carpra beetle aren't going to be the only thing that, you know, all of a sudden just becomes the big issue. We've got, you know, foot in mouth as as well, which an issue, FMDs, Lilella, which is one of our big plant priority uh, diseases as well. So there's always you know, that necessity and need to keep up with the times and trends and stay on top of it because it can change in an instant, can't it? Absolutely. And, you know, whether it's, you know, vector-borne diseases through, you know, wind, you know, weather and that, or, you know, via migration with birds or it's brought in through through cargo or, or, or persons and stuff like that, it, it's, there are many elements and it's constantly changing, uh, unfortunately. And, and like, like um, you know, criminals, uh, as soon as you find one way to stop it, they'll, they'll develop a, a new way to go around it. So, and, and then that's why we... Criminals think bugs. <laughs> you know, find a way. Not, not, not saying that, you know, there's a little mafia stink bug uh, <laughs> group working in, in, in some element and they're working a new way to get into the container, but the point being is there's always new new ways that we need to look at doing things and more efficient ways and effective ways because the other part is, you know, trade volumes are going up. Absolutely. Um, we need to be... Uh, efficient but also safe so we need to make sure that produce and products can move quickly and safely um, but also still protecting you know industry protecting both the community and making sure the industry are uh, happy you know no one wants to bring in a produce or or, or or a product line and then suddenly find out that it's it's infested with something and you know there's there are, there are many d- diseases, unfortunately, out there, and as you've mentioned, quite a few, and, and some of the, the bugs, and, you know, and as I, you know, coming from my background, the first briefing I went to was, you know, they talked about LSD, which to me I thought was a drug, and my boss turned around and said, no, that's actually a disease, it's lumpy skin disease, so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning about new ways of, of, of dealing with that, and, you know, it's... It, it, there are many ways that we can work with here and offshore to... to um, to be more effective and, and a lot of that comes to as well as I said earlier what can we do offshore um, so a lot of our partner agencies and countries realise that if they do things a certain way offshore um, that can speed up the movement of goods onshore so and, and we have a, a very active program in our division in that space working offshore and that's fantastic and the other part to that also is the disruptions uh, piece so if we know things are coming in and they're coming through a certain uh, class or, or method of entry what can we do with our partner agencies offshore to disrupt it before it even gets here it's like the old adage if it's not even in the mail we don't have to worry about checking the mail 
Absolutely. And that's that's that whole prevention piece, isn't it? They talk about it, you know, whether it's in medicine, whether it's in now biosecurity, whatever the case may be, it's always better than the cure or the treatment that comes with that. Um, before I talk about, uh, I want to move on and talk shortly about the main mission moving forward from a compliance perspective and, and what success looks like. But you touched on something I wanted to, to go into briefly where that relationship level of, of Australia with our international partners moving forward uh, continues to grow from strength to strength. We have elevated relationships with with a lot of our partners now as well. Um, what do you think has been the key in educating them, I guess, on the importance of this, the, you know, what you said before was really important about trade, being able to move easily to get cleared. Uh, we've come out of the bottleneck of the pandemic. We've seen those supply issues, you know, the the inflation that's come with it. I feel like that's a, that's an important piece, and I'd love for you just to provide some quick comment on that, if you could, about um, getting our other partners, because we're not only the only country out there that has a big export market, for example, or, or, or imports based in the agricultural industries, but you know, a lot of our partners, is, they, they, I feel like they're coming around to our way of thinking and understanding that this is the best way forward. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and recently we've had teams over in, in, uh, in the Pacific, in uh, uh, Fiji and, and other countries in relation to working with our partners. And that's also about uh, providing assistance for them as well. So, you know, if, if they can be, be uh, maintain a disease-free status or a bug status-free, you know, they, they want to check containers just as much as we do. How do we set up programs so that, A, we're, we're talking the same language, B, we've got the same systems in place, uh, then when we've got trade movement between the two countries, how, how are they comfortable with what we're sending them and vice versa? So we're doing a lot of work in that space and, and obviously the, the chief vet and the chief plan officers are also doing work in that space in, in their, their neck of the woods. But from our regulatory perspective, uh, we've got a, a very active international program uh, working with our trade partners and, you know, we've had teams recently come back from, uh, you know, Europe and... Uh, and, and uh, uh, Vietnam and Thailand uh, in relation to, to, to working with them is, is an example of how, how can they put uh, processes in place for, for bringing in different products, whether it's vehicles or containers, and how do we get that through quickly. So again, that works for the consumer, like you know the whole adage, how do we get the cars off the, off the docks quicker? Well, there's programs in place, and, and our part of that is both education, training, and then obviously from, from the other side of the house in the division is the monitoring and assessing to make sure that that works and giving them the feedback. And I know with some of the countries that we've been working with, um, they've self-identified um, some of the companies who haven't been compliant and have advised us, and so they're proactively working with us as well, and that's been fantastic uh, in, in regard to that. The fact that, you know, uh, you know, they're working with us as well, they see the need and the importance of this, so, you know, it's not just a Team Australia approach, it's, it's very much there seeing the benefit for them as well. And that goes back to what I originally said about brand and reputation for them to be seen, to be proactive in, in that space, uh, works to their advantage as well. So it raises their um, uh, expectations in their community and with their government um, to, be, to be highly compliant as well. So it works in their favour as well. I think that shows as well that it, it moves on from just a, a pure you know, industry and industrial perspective, commercial perspective. It's all about government as well holds that level of, of reputational impact too. Um, main missions, I touched on it a moment ago, please, Peter. Uh, you know, your main mission for biosecurity compliance moving forward and I guess what does success look like? It's probably a little bit hard to pinpoint exactly, but your sort of overall view on that, please. <laughs> 
Well, you just know, to put you on the spot. Well, no, no. I mean, you know, uh, in my views, you know, uh, obviously, w- what everyone else's view is is, is keeping the, the country safe and disease and, and you know pest free. You know, and as 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 the farmers, uh, you know, said to me a couple of weeks ago, you know, you know, you got to keep us safe. You know, it's it's that personal, but you know, that's how you feel. Um, you know, it's about how do we make sure we're keeping the country safe. Uh, and I, I take that very personally. Is is you know that's our job. Is is how do we keep everything disease and pest? So there's that. So so there's that level of emotion to it, Peter. Like it really is on that personal level. And 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 definitely excuse me for being uh, or, or from the listener out there in terms of that naivety, I guess. But it is so personal for them. And that's that's the work that we're doing to make sure that their their livelihood and the livelihood of our country is, is affected. Because that's I think a very important message for our listeners is that it is so emotive and and it's such a personal thing. Well, it is, and you know. Um, I've got family that are, that are in the farming industry. I'm a city slicker, so I'm I'm, I'm no good on a farm. <laughs> so um, you know, so and, and I'm, I call it how it is. But you know, for them, it's it's their livelihood, it's their business, and it's also it's also supporting the the community in the country you know and if some of these things get in it you know it can cause significant damage and harm and it's not just reputation harm it's it's their livelihood you know and it 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 is about making sure that we we stay disease and pest free and and that that is hard work and and luckily i've got a great division and and i've got a lot of staff that work really hard um uh all around the country uh doing that with the other divisions to to try and keep australia safe and i'm not trying to be emotive or, or you know to be be corporate but you know you know i'm not just the canberra public servant that just stays here i do go out and see them and and part of my remit is going up up north uh, and making sure that you know listening to the farmers and and the members of the uh, industry up there to make sure that we're actually doing what they want us to do Absolutely, and bringing those messages back here for everybody to work hard to ensure that that's, that's spread in terms of what they're after. That's amazing, Peter, it really is. Um, just finally, if you could uh, give us your take-home messages, if, if you don't mind, for our listeners out there, the key take-home messages about the importance of biosecurity compliance and uh, and the great work that, you, that our division does. I would normally say that your division does when I'm speaking to someone on this, but I can say it is our division and, and the great work you're doing leading it. Key messages. Well, look, it, biosecurity, as I said, is, is everyone's responsibility, you know, and it's 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 no different to if you unpacked a container, you know, you got something delivered from, you know, Amazon or eBay and you open it up and there's some bugs in it. Well, you know, you need to seal it up and call us, you know, and I'll give you the details in a sec. But, it, you know, biosecurity is everyone's responsibility. But, you know, for, for us, it's about working offshore and onshore to, to make sure that we keep the country safe and pest and disease free. Uh, you know, and it, it's important work, and it, it supports everybody uh, in the country. So, you know, and and you, people listening go, oh, what what can I do? You know, well, uh, don't call the police. So call us. Um, <laughs> you know, you see the stuff on Facebook. Don't call triple zero if your your phone uh, has a problem. That's if you have a problem. Uh, if you if you suspect something's uh, not right, you can report uh, the red line by security number, which is one eight hundred. 803-006 and if you work in industry we've got a whistleblower hotline which is anonymous which is 1-800-319-595 and I'm sure we can put those in with the podcast um, links and and as I've said you know a lot of members of the public and industry do contact, contact us if, if they suspect something's not right and, and we do investigate and, and I could be perfectly blunt with um uh, with the listeners, uh, you know, those who do do the wrong thing, we do uh, 
uh, go to that point where we can prosecute to the full extent of the law. And we do have some very good investigations which are well underway. And when they do hit the news, you'll you'll actually see how serious that is because um, education is our first point, but obviously those who are deliberately doing the wrong thing, uh, we will investigate you and we'll use whatever uh, resources and powers we have under our acts and where we can't, we'll, we'll, we'll reach out to our partner agencies and see if they can assist. Fantastic. Absolutely great messages there, Peter. I've taken a lot from it. And, and to hear that from yourself as the leader of our of our division is really important, I feel like, to make sure that everybody working in the division is working towards that common goal. And I think one of my key take-home messages as well from yourself is how, you know, personally you take that as well and not just being a, you know, it's a reputation that a lot of us get, unfortunately, um, for, for right or wrong reasons, but just, you know, a Canberra bureaucrat that doesn't care. But, you know, caring is a big part of, of this job and we want to to make sure that that continues and carries on that way. So may I say on behalf of everybody here at the podcast, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Keep up the great work, please. And we look forward to hopefully hearing from you shortly in season two or season three with some more anecdotes and some of those big name stories in the news or whatever the case may be. thanks very much. And hopefully some of the jobs have come to fruition. We can talk about them at the next round. So, but thanks very much. It was uh, great to participate. Thank you. Absolutely. No, thanks so much for that, Peter. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Peter Timpson. He's the first assistant secretary excuse me, almost got tongue-tied on that one of the Compliance and Enforcement Division. That was a magnificent chat. Thanks again, Peter. Take-home messages for all of our listeners out there, of course, is that prevention is much better than the treatment. Anything that we can do to push biosecurity risk offshore, as well as education being such a key component, that collaborative nature of getting involved with the community, the industry, and everybody involved. Biosecurity matters. Biosecurity is everybody's business, and please ensure that you're doing your best to keep Australia free from pests and diseases. A big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into our podcast. You can find more information on the keys to effective biosecurity compliance on the department's website by specifically visiting biosecurity.gov.au. That's biosecurity.gov.au. And for more information on our compliance and enforcement division, you can find that at awe.gov.au forward slash biosecurity hyphen trade forward slash policy forward slash legislation forward slash compliance. Got that one out there in the end. Links will be available in the episode description, so look out for those and make sure you subscribe to our podcast series to get updates on future topics and learn more about Australian biosecurity. Another fantastic episode here on Detect and Protect. That concludes season one of what has been a fantastic first season of the podcast. We'll be back next year with the season two and and the next episode where we hopefully we'll be seeing Peter very soon. So that concludes Detect and Protect for today. My name is Steve Payas. It's been magnificent bringing you Peter Timpson today and we will see you all again very soon. Thank you and goodbye for now.